Hi, I'm Father Jacob Bertrand Jancic. And I'm Father Gregory Pine. And you're listening to the Catholic Classics Podcast, where we seek to grow our prayer lives by learning from the Church's greatest saints and teachers. Spiritual reading can be challenging for many Catholics, so this podcast is here to help. Each season, we'll read through a great work, unpack its timeless wisdom, and encourage you with practical tips for the pursuit of holiness. The Catholic Classics Podcast is brought to you by Ascension. This season, we're reading Ascension's edition of Introduction to the Devout Life by St. Francis de Sales. To get your copy of the book and download the reading plan for this season, visit ascensionpress.com slash catholicclassics or text intro to 33777. Be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast app. This is day 43. Today we'll be reading part 5, Exercises and Counsels for Renewing the Soul and Strengthening Her Devotion, chapters 15 through 18, pages 465 through 473 in the Ascension edition of this book. Before we get to the reading, though, let's take a quick look at what we'll be covering today. So, here we are. We've arrived at the final episode and the final chapters of St. Francis's Introduction to the Devout Life. And as is to be expected, he offers us some final words of encouragement. He does so by reminding us of a few things. First, to be practical in our resolutions. Second, not to be deterred by what may initially seem like an impossible task in the pursuit of the devout life. And third, and finally, to be bold in our pursuit of Christ. So, let's say a prayer, we'll get to the readings, and then talk about these encouragements. Grant us grace, O merciful God, to desire ardently all that is pleasing to thee, to examine it prudently, to acknowledge it truthfully, and to accomplish it perfectly. For the praise and glory of thy name. Amen. Chapter 15 General Affections Concerning the Previous Considerations and the Conclusion to These Exercises O dear resolutions, you are the fair tree of life that my God has planted with his own hand in the midst of my heart, a tree that my Savior desires to water with his blood and to make fruitful. I would suffer a thousand deaths rather than allow any wind to pluck you up. No, neither vanity nor delights nor riches nor tribulations shall ever draw me back from my intention. Alas, O Lord, you yourself have planted and eternally preserved in your fatherly bosom this fair tree for the garden of my heart. Alas, how many souls are there who have not been favored in this way, and how then can I ever sufficiently humble myself beneath your mercy? O fair and holy resolutions, if I keep you, you will keep me. If you live in my soul, my soul will live in you. Live then forever, O resolutions, you are eternal in the mercy of God. Live eternally in me and let me never forsake you. After these affections, you must particularize the means needed for maintaining your dear resolutions and profess that you will be faithful in making good use of them. They should include things such as diligence in prayer, the reception of the sacraments, and good works, and the amendment of your faults uncovered in self-examination, and avoiding the occasions of evil, and in following the counsels which are given to you. Then, as though you had renewed breath and strength, make a thousand professions that you will persevere in your resolutions, and as though you held your heart, soul, and will in your hands, dedicate, consecrate, sacrifice, and immolate them to God, professing that you will never take them back again, but instead place them in the hand of his divine majesty to follow his holy ordinances in all things. Pray to God to renew you entirely, beseeching him to bless and strengthen your renewed profession of devotion. Call upon the prayers of the Mother of God, your guardian angel, St. Louis, and the other saints. 
and this emotion of heart, go to your spiritual father and accuse yourself of the principal faults that you may have noticed since your general confession. And upon receiving absolution, pronounce your profession before him and sign it just as you did the first time you did so. Then finally unite your renewed heart to its savior in the most holy sacrament of the Eucharist. Chapter 16, the sentiments that we must retain after these exercises. On the day when you have made this renewal, and on the days following it, you should frequently repeat with your heart and mouth those glowing words of St. Paul, St. Augustine, St. Catherine of Genoa, and others. No, I am no longer my own. Whether I live or whether I die, I am my Savior's. It is no longer I and mine. My me is Jesus, and my mine is his. O world, you are always yourself, and up until now I have always been myself, but from now on I shall be myself no more. No, we shall no longer be ourselves, for we shall have our heart changed, and the world which has so often deceived us will be deceived in us, for perceiving our change only gradually, it will think we are still Esau, but it will find us to be Jacob. All these exercises should dwell in the heart, and when we finish our consideration and meditation, we should turn back to our ordinary affairs and dealings gently and softly, lest the liqueur of our resolutions should be suddenly spilled, for it must soak and penetrate through all parts of the soul, though without effort either to the mind or the body. Chapter 17. Response to two objections that can be raised against this introduction to the devout life. The world perhaps will tell you, Philothea, that these exercises and advices are so numerous that whoever would choose to practice them would need to apply himself to them and nothing else. Alas, Philothea, if we did nothing else, we should do nearly enough, for then we would do all that we ought to do in this world. But do you not see the fallacy? If it were necessary to perform all these exercises every day, they would then indeed occupy all our time. We are only to do them at their proper time and place. How many civil laws there are in the digest and the code which must all be observed, but only as they occur, not all of them every day. David, a king with the most difficult affairs, performed many more exercises than I have prescribed to you. St. Louis, a prince, exemplary both in war and peace, administering justice and transacting business with unequaled care, heard two masses every day and said vespers and compline with his chaplain. He meditated and visited hospitals, and every Friday he confessed his sins and took the discipline. He frequently listened to sermons and often held spiritual conferences. And yet, with all this, he never missed a single occasion for promoting the public good, and his court was more splendid and flourishing than it had ever been at the time of his predecessors. Therefore, boldly perform these exercises as I have marked them out for you, and God will give you sufficient leisure and strength to see to all your other affairs, indeed, even if he should need to make the sun stand still for you, as he did for Joshua. We always do enough when God works with us. The world will perhaps say that I assume almost throughout this whole work that my Philothea has the gift of mental prayer, but not everyone has received this from the Lord. Thus, it would seem that this introduction to the devout life will not be of use for everyone. It is true that I have assumed this, and it is also true that not everyone has the gift of mental prayer. However, it is also true that almost everyone, even the least cultivated of persons, may have it, provided that they have good guides and are willing to take as much pains to observe it as it deserves. However, should there be some who do not have this gift to any degree whatsoever, which I can think very rarely be the case, 
A wise spiritual director will easily help them supply that shortfall through the attention that he will teach them to give to reading or hearing others read the considerations included in the meditations. Chapter 18. Three Final and Principal Counsels for This Introduction to the Devout Life On the first day of every month, after your meditation, repeat the profession you made in the first part of this text, and frequently profess your determination to observe it, saying with David, I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. When you feel your soul in any disorder, take in your hand your profession, and humbly kneeling, recite it with your whole heart, and you will feel great relief and comfort. Openly profess your desire to be devout. Note well that I do not say profess that you are devout, but rather that you desire to be such. And do not be ashamed to practice those usual and necessary actions that lead the soul to the love of God. Honestly acknowledge that you strive to practice meditation, that you would rather die than commit a mortal sin, that you are resolved to frequent the sacraments and to follow the counsels of your director, though often you need not name him exactly for various reasons. Speak of all these things, for this candid profession that we desire to serve God and to consecrate ourselves entirely to his love is very acceptable to his divine majesty, which would not have us be ashamed either of him or of the cross. Besides, it forestalls many complaints that the world might raise against such a course of action, and requires us, out of honor, to act in accord with what we profess. The philosophers profess that they were philosophers, so that they might be left free to live like philosophers. So too, we must let it be known that we desire to live a life of devotion, so that we may be left at liberty to live devoutly. If anyone tells you that you may live devoutly without practicing these counsels and exercises, do not contradict him, but only say mildly to him that you are so weak that you stand in need of more help and assistance than others. Finally, my dear Philothea, I beseech you, by all that is sacred in heaven and upon earth, by the baptism that you have received, by the breasts suckled by Jesus Christ, by the loving heart with which he loved, and the depths of mercy in which you hope, persevere in this blessed life of devotion. Our days quickly slip past us, and death is at the gate. The trumpet, says St. Gregory of Nazianzus, sounds the retreat. Let every man be ready for judgment is near. St. Symphorian's mother, seeing him being led to martyrdom, cried out to him, My son, my son, remember eternal life, look up to heaven and think upon him who reigns there. Soon the short course of this life will come to an end for you. My dear Philothea, Shall I say the same to you? Look up to heaven and do not forfeit it for this base earth. Look down to hell and do not cast yourself into it for passing toys. Look upon Jesus Christ and do not renounce him for the world. And when the labors of the devout life seem hard to you, sing with St. Francis, My hope is fixed in so great a joy that all earthly pains are delight to me. May Jesus live. To him, with the Father, and the Holy Spirit, be honor and glory now and ever and forever. Amen. So as Father Gregory mentioned in yesterday's episode, as we were nearing the end, our penultimate day, St. Francis is interested in offering um, encouragement at the very end to sort of inspire us on to live the devout life. And I think encouragement in the Christian life is something that we always that we always need. So we've read together through a pretty substantial work on the devout life. And as we're 
I guess about to set the book down or at least finish it for now, there may be a sense of being overwhelmed of what do I do? How do I go forth? What, you know, great. Now I have all these tools. How do I put it into practice? Um, and that's okay. That's okay for kind of, if that's the place where we are. And St. Francis himself recognizes that. And so he gives us these pieces of advice. So let's consider them. I guess the first is that he says, is, you know, to be practical in our pursuit of the, of the devout life. What does that mean? At least in my mind, what that means is to take small steps, to adopt things to your state of life. That's going to be a little different for everybody. And also to persevere. So small steps, adopt and persevere. We've talked about all of them, I guess, along the way, but it's good to reiterate that and encourage that. So I don't know, Father Gregory, do you have thoughts on, you know, being sort of the practical side of things? We've read a book that can be kind of speculative, you know, kind of in the head. How do we put it into practice? Yeah, it's funny. My mind goes first to a particular virtue that we didn't necessarily cover in part three, but which has been present throughout in this dynamic of encouragement. And that virtue is, oh yeah, this is going to come as a super surprise, is courage. Um, sometimes called fortitude, sometimes called bravery. Uh, but I think we cannot or we ought not underestimate the importance of courage in the Christian life. I was like, we we shouldn't underdo with, yeah, never mind. I was getting confused by the directionality. Basically, what I'm trying to say is that courage is important for being a Christian. Why? Because it's difficult to be Christian especially in the here and now. Does that mean that it was easier in the past or it will be easier in the future? Not so sure. I'm just pretty much convinced that it's hard now. So with the virtue of courage, there are two main dimensions. There's the dimension that's like the get after it dimension. And then there's the dimension that's like the hunker down dimension. And when it comes to the get after it dimension, we want to cultivate a spirit of confidence. Okay. And part of that is like, you know, break it down into small pieces, manageable pieces. So that way you can feel the experience of picking up steam. Also adapt it to your state of life. You're only going to have confidence of a thing that's doable for you. So if you're trying to do something that's doable for somebody else, there's no grace to be had in that. It's just going to be discouraging. And then when it comes to the, the hunker down piece, St. Thomas Aquinas, for instance, will say that the hunker down piece is actually the more important piece of courage. And you already mentioned one, one aspect of that, which is perseverance, which is holding out until the end. And the other aspect of that is patience. So in short, life is sad and overwhelming, but we can't be overwhelmed by that sadness or we can't be overwhelmed by whatever it is that comes our way, which might be otherwise too terribly much to bear. So when I, when I, you know, talk about building up courage, we're going to focus on, you know, that dimension of confidence, breaking it down into small steps, doing things that are doable. And then those kind of twofold dimension or that twofold dimension of both uh, on the one hand patience and on the other hand perseverance. So something that we've kind of said throughout like a refrain is that the Christian life is largely about showing up, not so as to prove the other people wrong or not so as to just be habituated in a kind of unthinking way, but in the sense that you're showing up as an expression of your faith and of your love. And so we're seeking in that way just to grow by by small but significant steps. So yeah, that's my first that's my first thought on the matter. Yeah, and and with that too, as St. Francis points out, and as we've said in, in kind of different ways, you know, we're not, we don't have to do everything that he's told us in the book all at once. Um, that's not what it's about. Remember, it's not about a checklist, but about, as Father Gregory said, showing up, about removing the obstacles, the barriers, typically sin or vice, you know, through purification, through mortification, removing those barriers just to be with our Lord. And St. Francis has proposed for us a, a way and some tools to do that, to look at our 
prayer life, mental prayer, to look at the sacraments, to look at the virtues and, and how the virtues fight our temptations. And the, the examinations of conscience and the considerations that he's laid out for us are helpful tools to take stock of our lives, to say, okay, this is where I am. This is where I'm, you know, things look relatively okay. Thanks be to God. This is where I need a little work. And now, now we go after it and we have, we can make our resolutions uh, because we now have the means the ways by which we can go after it, whether it's through prayer, whether it's through the seeking the counsel of friends and and a spiritual advisor, whether it's, you know, whatever it might be, we can put together following St. Francis, this kind of nexus, this kind of guide of how to pursue Christ. So we have three final pieces of advice that St. Francis left us in the very last chapter. The three are to renew our intentions on the first day of every month, so that's that's a good thing. Often when I hear that, I kind of think of Lent. You know, like we renew our intentions to do penance at the beginning of Lent, and then they're gone very quickly. But here, if we have this regular renewal of our intentions, it's more regular. So that kind of explains itself. But I also like the second one that he talks about, the second final piece of advice, to be open about the pursuit of the Christian life. You know, he says philosophers declare themselves to be philosophers so that they can live the life of a philosopher. So two Christians ought to declare themselves Christians so as to live the Christian life. Fine. Great. And then the last one, he talks, as Father Gregory already explained, about perseverance. So yeah, Father Gregory, any any thoughts on these final pieces of advice um, or your own final pieces of advice if St. Francis isn't sufficient for you? <laughs> wow. What a setup. Um, maybe just a small comment on each of the things that he recommends. First, First day of the month, renew our intentions. Okay, adapt that to your time and place and circumstances. Let's say that you have the upright intention to go to confession once a month, all right? And now a traditional practice is to go to confession either on the, either on the first Friday or first Saturday of each month. So what about that? Like making it a kind of liturgical thing where in a lot of parishes, you're not going to have confessions on Friday, although a lot of Dominican parishes do. So cheers to that. But a lot, of, a lot of parishes do have confessions on Saturday. So maybe you show up early for the confession. Uh, you get in line so that way you can actually have your confession heard before the vigil mass starts. And in line, you examine your conscience. You renew your intentions to live a devout life. You pray your rosary. You do whatever else it takes, depending on how long the people in front of you in line are taking. But that becomes part of your kind of liturgical life. So habituate it and then reward it. Okay, so while it is lamentably the case that Chick-fil-A is closed on a Sunday, it's not closed on a Saturday. So uh, on those first Saturdays, maybe that's, a, that's an excellent time for a family dinner. And then with respect to the second, be open about your pursuit of Christ in the devout life. I was thinking about this recently because I use this online forum for like language acquisition. That sounds more complicated than it is. Basically, for my doctoral studies, I've had to learn some other languages at least well enough to look like I know them. And so I've been taking these little private tutoring sessions on cheap online. Uh, but in the course of these sessions, I always have opportunities for like practice sentences or speaking exercises. And for those things, I'm just always talking about Jesus. <laughs> Because it's like, you know, the examples are all about other things. I will make no judgment as to the importance of those other things, but it's all like, let's talk about global warming. Like, let's talk about climate change. Let's talk about LGBTQ plus things. It's like, gosh, man, these books really are just advanced. Um, so I'm like, well, what if we took a left at Albuquerque and found ourselves talking about the Lord and his blessed mother? And what I found is that I'm in conversation with these, you know, private tutors from wherever, and uh, we're just talking about Jesus. And it ends up 
being interesting. We end up having interesting conversations because if you can, if you can introduce it into the conversation or if you can introduce it into your life and its exchanges in a way that's not too terribly, you know, heavy handed, uh, then oftentimes you'll find an opening because we're getting to a point in Western civilization where not only are we post-Christian, but we're post-post-Christian. So we've forgotten even the lingering memory of what it meant to be believing. And I think there's a new openness. Uh, so don't be surprised by the new openness that you encounter in others. And then third and finally, with respect to perseverance, I am growing in appreciation with each passing day for sleep. I appreciate it when I do get it and I appreciate it when I don't get it. Um, sleep is such, yeah, it's such a boon because a lot of times when we're left to ourselves and we're left to our own thoughts, we begin to overcomplicate our spiritual lives. Like I'm going through the dark night of the soul and the Lord has abandoned me and all I know is desolation and things are bad and they're getting worse. I'd say get a good night's sleep and prioritize that and do what it takes to prioritize that. And I think that you'll find perseverance easier as a result. So yeah, take care of yourself. As a friend says to me often enough, perceiving the bags under the bags under the bags of my eyes. Um, so while I don't necessarily do it myself, I commend it to you <laughs> because I think it helps. All right. So those are my thoughts. Passing back. Great. So what would I say? I think by way of sort of wrapping up our time together, I think that um, there's great worth in looking at these sort of spiritual classics of the devout life and the spiritual life and the Christian life, because as Father Gregory says, we are said, we live in a world that has lost in a lot of ways the sense of what it means to live the faith. And St. Francis has does, he, he reintroduces or introduces a new sort of timeless Catholic wisdom that we can use to pursue Christ. And ultimately, that's what our lives are about about pursuing him. So take this work, perhaps flip through it again or scroll through it again if you have it in a digital context or re-listen to episodes if you want to do that. Don't, I would say don't set these things aside because the important thing in, in the Christian life is that we continue to grow and to move towards God. Not that we sort of set aside things, but that we that we incorporate these into our life with Christ, into our pursuit of Christ. And above all, it's our job to trust, to pray for an increase in faith, hope, and love and all the virtues, but to trust that our Lord desires us to be with him and to share in his life more than we can begin to desire for ourselves. There's nothing more true and real than that. So as we conclude our time together on this season of the Catholic Classics podcast with St. Francis de Sales and his introduction to the devout life, Thanks for tuning in. Please be sure to follow us wherever you listen to your podcast. As always, know of our prayers for you. Please pray for us. And hopefully we'll catch you next time on Catholic Classics.